to Leitner. Puts it up. You're listening to the Culture State Podcast. Get ready. I never got the, oh, like, we have to hire a woman, so, you know, we, we're we choosing you. Like, it, they ne- the Wizards never made me feel like that. They just always made me feel like, yo, Amber's really good at her job, at her work. Like, she works really, really hard. That's and awesome. this is why we want her to be a part of our organization. They haven't kicked us out the building yet, D.C. Not yet. We're still in here. Still here. It's the Culture State Podcast right here on the Capital Broadcasting Podcasting Network. My name is Chris Lee. That is D.C. We're the Culture State Podcast, giving you the best from the state of North Carolina, as you heard from Justin Roberts at the beginning. That's right. He says North Carolina the best, I think, out of anybody. Like, I enjoy Petey Pablo when he says North Carolina. Of course. But when I hear North Carolina, yeah, it just it does something to me. I, we've talked in our first couple episodes, we talked with Shane Helms, mm-hmm. talking pro wrestling. Justin Roberts is a ring announcer, was with WWE for a long time, now is with AEW. Their champion, Kenny Omega, uses North Carolina as part of his introductions now, and it's actually an homage to Michael Jordan for his introduction with the Bulls. From North Carolina, number 23, Michael Jordan. That's where that comes from. Yeah. We talk about the influence that this state has. You're talking about basketball bleeding into a guy from Canada using it in his introduction. And I was just going to say, like, he's not from North Carolina. He's from Canada, and he he, he wants that. Yeah. Yeah. And he even admitted on Twitter, like, this is the reason why I do it. It's because it's an homage to the greatest because he thinks of himself as the greatest, which I'm I'm not going to hate that. Mm, A lot of LeBron fans are going to hate hearing that, though. (laughs) Well, I mean. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm not going to get into that. That is like an, an evergreen discussion. He doesn't want to say Akron, man. He doesn't want to be from Akron. He could be the greatest from Akron. <laughs> Who says Akron? <laughs> like, like, come on. I, I got to say this. Like, this is no diss to anybody from Akron or, or LeBron. But if you're going to say something like, from North Carolina mm-hmm. or from Akron, like, which one sounds better? Do I need to answer that question? Okay. All <laughs> that's right. I, I that's just rhetorical. Say, yeah. No, I, just, I totally get just it. I want to put that out there. So, we're going to talk to uh, Amber Nichols later yes. on uh, in the show. She's our guest for today. Uh, she's from Raleigh, North Carolina. And, um, you know, she's doing some big things in the NBA. The second female um, general manager uh, in the G League. Mm-hmm. That is big time stuff. And so, we're going to talk to her all about that and what she has going on. But before we get there. Yes. Um, some things that mean you have, we, we have a few things in common. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're on the thick side. Yeah. You know, thickums and thickums. That's right. You know, I'm, I'm about, uh, you know, five, nine and, uh, about, I think, uh, like two fifteen right now. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to lose. I'm trying to get down to like one ninety, one ninety five. Oh wow. Okay. And, uh, you know, so I'm in that process right now trying to lose that weight. Um, but it's interesting. Like when I got here to WRAL, I didn't realize there's so many fashion designers here yeah. in the audience. Like they really uh, pay attention to your fashion, mm-hmm. and so I've been having a lot of emails from people talking to me about what I wear on air. No, oh, really. That's the thing that I think I miss about radio is that it's just really all about the content. It's not about the extra stuff. I'm not gonna lie, Chris. I'm usually in bed because I work mornings here in radio, so I'm usually <laughs> asleep by the time you're yeah. on air. So I don't always get to see you on TV, but. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. You know, 
a little thicker in the hips, a little thicker in the thighs. You got to have some pants that stretch, things that, you know, don't constrict you. So that kind of limits your clothing options a little bit. I can totally sympathize with you 100%. One of the things that uh, that's tough for me, and I don't know if this is the case for you, is that sometimes like with my – like I squat, you know, I don't skip leg day, so I have like thicker thighs, uh, have a, a thicker butt area, whatever, just kind of runs in the family, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And so like that, um, that makes it a little bit tighter, right, mm-hmm. for me. So I have to get something. If I get, uh, like, a lot of the fashion right now is just, like, skinny. Of course, so yes. If, if my waist yes. is actually a 36, but mm-hmm. if I wear a 36, then it won't fit around my waist. But it's not because it doesn't fit on my waist. It's because my thighs mm-hmm. and my hip area is taking up <laughs> all the other space. Yeah. So sometimes I have to get something bigger, and then now it hangs off my waist just so it can fit on my thighs and, and my hips. You know they have, like, boot-cut jeans, slim-cut jeans, skinny yeah. fit, regular fit. They just need to have, like, thick-cut jeans. It's what they <laughs> need to do. 36 thick. That's what size I wear. <laughs> 36 thick. I yeah, love it. Yeah, 36 thick. Like, you want boot cover? That is I need, another I podcast. I need 36 thick. <laughs> that is a whole other podcast uh, concept. I love if, it. If, a fa- if, if if Wrangler jeans decided to go like, <laughs> hey, we're going to make this new jean style thick, like, pff, I'm buying 10 pairs. So I say all that to say this. Back at WXI, before I came here to WRL, mm-hmm. um, I would often be in situations where I would have to anchor at 6 o'clock, and as soon as I got off air... I needed to be in the car, uh, heading to Greensboro, heading to another part of Winston-Salem, heading to High Point, heading somewhere to shoot a basketball game, shoot a football game, shoot something. And so I needed to have uh, clothing that was flexible. So a lot of times I didn't wear actual suits. Mm -hmm. I wore like slacks with a, uh, you know, you know, a sport coat on top of it. And I needed to be able to take that off really fast, take my button up shirt off really fast and tie it and put on a polo and go. And so that's what I came here with. And I, I got here March 4th. My last day at WXI was February 28th. So yeah. literally not a lot of time in between. And then, you know, what happened on March 11th and March 12th. Yeah. Everything shut down. And so I didn't have I didn't feel comfortable going out at that point with the pandemic, especially in between moving and all that, getting new suits. Mm-hmm. So after that, I got a lot of viewers just basically writing in, where's the suit? Yeah. Why aren't you wearing suits? What's up with the pants not matching the jacket? Oh, man. (laughs) (sighs) Well, it's interesting because you watch like ESPN, you see the anchors and stuff on SportsCenter that are wearing like either like nice jeans or like nice slacks. The the pants aren't matching the jacket all the time. And I I think that's a cool, like you can can make that look very cool. And I think I did make that look cool to me. But I do realize that a lot of the people that actually watch the news are a little bit more older school. I don't want to call them old, but like they're a little bit more old school in their in their in their taste and their fashion. Sure. So you know, for for them, it's like, you know, whoa, what is that? Mm-hmm. How do you have on gray pants and a, and a blue jacket? Who does that? Yeah, millennials do that. Yeah, <laughs> millennials. Oh wait, that's our age. <laughs> I was born in the '80s, so yeah. I, you know, I kind of do things a little, a little different. I will say the nice thing about radio is I don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I really don't. But in news, you kind of have to, I guess, I don't know, draw the line for lack of a better term. It is interesting because um, news, like in radio, uh, my background is mostly in radio. So I feel very comfortable in being 100% Chris. Yeah. And I'm just going to be real. Being in news uh, since 2013, um, so about eight years I still haven't found a way to be 100% Chris. I've gotten to 90%. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But it's tough, you know, because there's certain time restraint uh, restraints on it. Um, you know, you also have to think about what you look like, what you sound like, and all this other, you know. And so it's yeah. um, it's just it's interesting. So that's always like an interesting thing of of learning how to grow uh, along with that. Um, and then you know, with the whole you know suit thing is is funny because I thought that moving eighty miles east that the 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 audiences will be somewhat the same and they're not no like winston salem greensboro area everybody's just you know i mean not saying that there aren't vocal people there are some vocal people i've had some horrible things said to me um but they're more so like you know just oh, okay cool you know I, I like how you've how you put that together here people are vocal they're vocal in raleigh i didn't realize it was going to be you know like that but i mean i, I think it kind of kind of it kind of keeps me on my toes too yeah you know because it's people are pointing out certain things so now i have this closet full of suits there you go because eventually you know i thought the you know pandemic was going to go away but it didn't and so it's like all right i have to eventually get out and get some new suits which i plan to it, to do anyway because it's not like i'm picking up a camera and, and leaving as soon as i'm done with the six o'clock anymore yeah um you know that may happen from time to time but it's not happening right now so you know i can i can you know, be in my suit right now and trying to find suits that fit with hips and all that type of stuff. Well, that's why they call us the thickest. Speaking of thick, <laughs> leave us that thick five stars. Thick. Wherever you download your podcast, again, available on the WRL Sports Fan mm-hmm. app. You can get this podcast. Make sure you check out all of our past shows with Shane Helms, with Petey Pablo. And we got some awesome guests coming up, including Amber Nichols. The first female to be in, uh, interviewed on our podcast. That's right. And so we absolutely love that. So women who are breaking through, not only uh, in, in pop culture, but in sports, I absolutely love that. Amber Nichols, this is going to be an amazing interview. Stay tuned for that right here on the Culture State Podcast. We love to celebrate North Carolina and the people in it and the people who make North Carolina great or who come from North Carolina and do greatness in other places. And this person embodies all of that. Mm-hmm. Her name is Amber Nichols. Uh, she is a graduate from Broughton High School in Raleigh, North Carolina. Went to Richmond, played with the Spiders. Rich what? <laughs> and now she's with the Capital City Go-Go doing huge things right now. We have to introduce Amber Nichols to the Coach of State podcast right now. How are you doing today, Miss Amber Nichols? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so your story is uh, amazing um, because you're you're breaking down walls when it comes down to um, black and also female uh, GMs and, and folks who are executives in the front office of professional sports teams. Uh, you were recently named the second woman to be GM of a G League team. I've got to just go ahead and give a live clap to you. Yes. Because that is amazing. That is amazing. Awesome. Um, when you when you got that call, and I'm familiar with Pops uh, Mensabansu, and when he moved on, when did you get that call like, hey, you know, we want you to fill his spot on this? And what was that feeling like for you? You know, I, I got the call for the first time a couple of, of months ago that it could be a possibility, um, but we were waiting on – there was so much uncertainty surrounding the G League season that we were waiting on the guarantee that there would be one, and then we had to figure out what our participation would be in it. But when I really got that call from Tommy, you know, I was ecstatic. I mean, I was, you know, I was really excited um, and happy and thankful, but – you know, I also 
took it as I have a responsibility now as a black woman, as a woman, as a young female, you know, in this role to really perform it to the best of my ability because, you know, there are young people watching me that aspire to be in this role one day. Um, so I have the responsibility to perform it to the best of my ability so that they can also get their chances as well. That's amazing. Now, I'm curious, Adrian Wojnarowski posted on Twitter that you got that position, that you're being elevated to to your role. How cool was it seeing that? Like, whoa, like the NBA guru, the guy, I'm pretty sure NBA people go to him for their NBA news. How was it cool seeing him drop that? And, and did he know before you knew? Yeah, that, that's, yeah exactly. <laughs> did he know? <laughs> yeah. So that, that whole thing was really crazy because if you work in the NBA, you probably subscribe to Woj's tweets because, you know, when he tweets, you can stamp it as news. He's rarely, if ever, wrong. So at the time, I was actually driving to the airport to pick up a coach and a player, and then all of a sudden my phone just started going off. I had no idea that he had tweeted that. <laughs> and so when I looked at my phone, it was like, you just got Woj bombed. And it was like, what is going on? And it was crazy because I, I missed my turn to the airport because my phone <laughs> had blocked out the directions. But, you know, I'm very thankful that he even knows who I am and, you know, tweeted that because he gave me a lot of exposure um, that I'm very grateful for. And a lot of people have reached out because of that. And so if I can continue to, you know, paint, shed light on the G League and the good work that we're doing in the G League, that's something that I'm very grateful to do. And I'm thankful for to him for, you know, that exposure. I really appreciate that. That was big time from Woj and if I ever do get the chance to meet him I will make sure I thank him you know appropriately that's amazing and and maybe Woj needs to be a voice on GPS now so you can get <laughs> get the right Woj bomb turn signals and all yeah. that too so um right, that, that'd be crazy let, let's go back to the beginning um you know because you don't just like pop up and, and become GM of a professional sports league uh, basketball has been something that's been a part of your life and, um, you know, I, I remember hearing the news of you getting uh, this position and that you're from Raleigh. And then I do a little bit more research on you and I see that there's somebody else from Raleigh that uh, that you're related to and uh, John Wall. And I just want to know what were the backyard, you know, battles like with between you and John Wall when you guys were kids playing basketball? Yeah, John and I grew up sharing the same love for the game and we would play outside of you know, our grandmother's house, and, you know, we were both came up from very humble beginnings, so, like, we didn't have the nice facilities to play at when we were younger, so we would play right there in the yard, you know, to a, a rim and a backboard nailed on the tree, and that wow. kind of gave us our grit and our toughness in terms of how we approached the game, uh, and then as I got older, you know, we would still play with, play against each other, and he would always be there to coach me. When I was in high school, he used to come to my games all the time and vice versa. So we were very supportive of each other in high school. And, you know, he was a year my senior. Um, so he would also, like, you know, help me in terms of, uh, you know, going through things first and then telling me his experience so that, you know, I could navigate it a little bit better than, you know, maybe he did or if, if he would have learned differently or had any advice that he would have wished he had, you know, he made sure to give that to me. So I'm very grateful to him for that and grateful that, you know, for the majority of my career in the NBA, I was able to work, you know, alongside him and see him you know, at the facility every day. It's, it's cool just having your family so close to you to be able to watch you grow and watch you succeed in your own right. Did y'all ever, like, go to uh, a local gym or, or, or a blacktop or something like that and, you know, go play, like, you know, 
a pickup game against people like two on two and and folks were just <laughs> like oh okay well, well we're about to get these people and y'all just clean up together and it was just like a family thing no, not we never did that okay but i'm just imagining year, y'all just cleaning up against like all of raleigh right now <laughs> yeah no, no no last year though when i would be in pickup games against the rest of the staff john would stay after practice and kind of gas me up a bit like <laughs> oh she doesn't have it anymore and so that would of course you know ignite a fire in me and i have to bring up you know, 2009, Amber, and then just, you know, channel my, my inner toughness and just start killing. So that that was fun <laughs> to have um, him last year. But, you know, I, I, I'm thankful for him, and I'm excited that he's back playing. And, mm. you know, I know he's going to continue to do great things on and off the court. So, you know, I'm happy for him there. How did you end up – how did it start with you becoming an intern with the Wizards and I believe the Sacramento Kings? How did those internships eventually come about? Yeah, so I was in inside sales with the Kings, and mm. basically we sold full-season memberships to Kings games. Mm. And so my reason for taking that job was when I was coming out of graduate school, I would see basketball operations internships posted, but I didn't really have any connections or the experience at that point other than just being a basketball player and having a master's in sports management. So I knew I needed to, you know, gravitate a little bit and increase my experience. So I went to Sacramento and ticket sales and I saw it as, you know, 41 opportunities to meet with other teams to get to know them and build my network and show them that when the time comes, I'm very deserving of the opportunity to be an intern in basketball ops. And so that opportunity came very randomly for me. Uh, there was a, a client that I was trying to sell tickets to and uh, he was in real estate and he also played or went play football at the University of Richmond. And so when you're in sales, they tell you that your first clients for a beginner seller is going to be alumni. So I reached out to him because, you know, we had similar experience both being student athletes at Richmond. And although he wasn't interested in buying tickets, he asked the question of what it was that I really wanted to do in my career. He was like, you don't strike me as a person that wants to sell tickets. And I was like, no, sir, you are correct. Um, so I ended up, you know, talking with him a little bit and told him that my aspirations were to be an NBA general manager one day. Mm. And he happened to be roommates with Kevin Eastman in college, uh, who at the time was the vice president of basketball ops for the Clippers. And so he made the connection to Kevin Eastman for me. And, you know, I, I did the rest of the work. You know, I, I met with coach Eastman a couple of times. I created a blog so that he could, you know, know that I was you know very serious about wanting to be in basketball ops. And that also had, you know, a little bit of knowledge surrounding the game. And so when the opportunity was presented to be a basketball operations intern with the Wizards, I applied and I reached out to Coach Eastman and, you know, he gave me the extra push and put in a good word with the Wizards. And that's really how I got my opportunity. And then once I got there, the rest was easy. It was just, you know, simply working hard from there. Wow. I mean, this, awesome. this is like the classic, you know, started from the bottom, you know, yeah. just working your way up type of story. And uh, and you still have so much further to climb, but you've gone so far. You know what I'm saying? In 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 that short amount of time, um, when getting in as an intern to becoming GM of yeah. <laughs> of their uh, G League team, that's that's a huge jump. What are the steps in between? And 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 what was it like along that journey? Were there times where you wanted to give up? Were there times where it, it was uh it was tough for you? Were there times where maybe you felt like certain politics were going against you because you're a woman in a, in a male-dominated industry? Sure. So when I first started as an intern, I was the only female. 
And, you know, right off the bat, I knew that I had to work twice as hard Mm -hmm. and prove myself a lot more than the male, you know, interns that I was, you know, working with. And from day one, I did that. I showed up early. I made sure I paid very, very much so attention to detail. I, you know, went above and beyond. I would, you know, stay late. Uh, When it was time for draft prep, I would make sure that, you know, when we were counting the, the shot makes on the court and all of the analytical stuff, that I was, you know, very good there because, you know, I also played. So the pacing of the NBA game never scared me because I played, you know, mostly with guys growing up until I got to high school. So middle school and high school. So, you know, it was a very easy environment for me to adapt to. And I think that's what helped me flourish. Um, And then from being a basketball operations intern, you know, I, there wasn't a spot for me with the Wizards when my internship finished. So, and I was very proactive in reaching out to other teams and so and just other organizations and my next opportunity came with the players association. Mm. And so instead of, you know, waiting for a team to to give me an opportunity, I pursued that opportunity with the players association to get another aspect and get other experience, you know, with the game. So I went to the players union and learned what they value, learned how they operate, learned, you know, how they, you know, treat the players and what their goals are to give me another aspect of just you know professional basketball so that would equip me with the basketball the team side now has a player union players union side and then from there I went to the NBA league office to the actual league office and that was my first full-time role in basketball ops so now I have the team side I have the players union side and now I have the league side in terms of experience and after a year and some change at the league office and doing basketball ops there and you know, launching, helping expansion teams in the G League launch, mm. uh, you know, arranging and doing operations and logistics for all of the NBA G League's uh, talent evaluation events like Showcase and Summer League and Pre-Draft and all that stuff like that. The Wizards, you know, started their G League team in 2018 and, and I was able to present myself as a very viable candidate at that point with all the experience that I had gathered from the time that I was an intern and, I interviewed for the role with Pops and Jarrell Christian and and Tommy, and I ended up, you know, getting the role as director of basketball operations in 2018. And then a year later, I was promoted to assistant general manager. And Mm. then fast forward a year later, and I was, you know, promoted to GM. So it was a lot of work in between. I never felt like giving up. You know, when when there wasn't a spot for me with the Wizards right off the bat, I was a little disappointed, but, you know, in myself, I felt like, you know, maybe there was something else that I could have done and, and not realize that the situation just, you know, what it was. Sometimes there's just a door that hasn't opened yet. And so I'm proud of myself for staying resilient and, you know, pivoting and, and going to a, another option and learning there. And then, you know, when the time was right, it was right. And so I came back and I'm with the organization that gave me my first start and they believe in me and I'm, very grateful to be a part of this organization and you know they, they've been instrumental in my development and growth and, and I'm really happy here absolutely that's that's an amazing I, story yeah. right there that was a uh, very inspirational for me yeah I know like, I'm ready to run through a brick wall now <laughs> I, I, I really yeah it's 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 awesome and speaking of the the Washington I'm sorry the capital city go-go um now that you are have been in the DC area are you familiar with go-go music now yes that okay. was that was a given you know, when, when I moved to D.C., uh, was being very familiar with go-go music. And credit to our former, our first head coach, 
uh, Jarrell Christian, he would play go-go playlists in practice so our players and staff could both get acclimated with it. But, you know, I love the culture in D.C. Yeah, I was actually born in Alexandria, and I have a lot of family that live in the D.C. area. So I grew up anytime I would visit family, hey, Chuck Brown was playing. <laughs> Now, mm-hmm. some people in the North Carolina area may not know Chris. I'm not sure if you know. No, who yeah, is. I'm, I'm I'm familiar. I, I okay. didn't listen to Gogo music as much, but I'm yeah. definitely familiar with the name and some okay. of the music. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make yeah. sure that if you're going to be up there in DC for a while, you better get better get used to Gogo music. That's for sure. And Mambo sauce. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, it's it's great. And you know, we had a Gogo night at you know the Wizards game, and then you know our first game, we had you know some Gogo bands open up. Uh, prior to our game, um, and so that's something that we definitely want to continue when you know things get back to normal in terms of the pandemic. And you know, I'm I'm very grateful and honored. And my goal is to definitely continue to be the bridge, you know, between the Southeast DC and and Go Go music and the Capital City Go Go. Like I think they're one in the same. And as much as we can get the community to support us and to come out to games, you know, that's my ultimate goal. Do you ever have any moments like sometimes, you know, it's easy to to have uh, these moments where you get frustrated because of things that maybe happen at work or whatever. And, um, you know, it's easy to to just be like, you know, to just get into your, your problems. But then every once in a while, I find myself just kind of stopping and looking and be like, man, you are on TV talking about sports. You do a podcast, you know, speaking to, to cool people. You used to be a pro wrestler, you know, like you bringing up things like that where it's like, OK, like I, I haven't had to do anything that I didn't really like, you know, mm-hmm. as an adult to to make it happen. Do you ever have moments where like that you sit back and you think, man, I'm, I'm working with professional basketball right now and this is yeah. amazing. I have nothing to complain about. Yeah, there, there are definitely moments of adversity um, and then there's moments of reflection to where like. I was thinking to myself the other day, like, how can I really lose at this when I started with absolutely nothing? You know Mm. what I mean? So, like, it put it into perspective for me. Like, I do basketball every day. Like, that's my job. Mm -hmm. And so, like, there are probably thousands, maybe even millions of people that would love to be in the situation that I'm in right now. And so that is something that keeps me going. And I'm very humble and I'm very grateful. And there's nothing else that I would rather be doing, you know, as a job than what I'm doing right now. So any adversity that I face is just, you know, everybody goes through adversity. So it's nothing to really, you know, get down on or to dwell on because in the midst of things, it's just a blessing to be able to be doing what I'm doing. So that's how I keep myself humble and how I keep myself, you know, able to be resilient and, and to persevere through uh, adversity that I face. What is the mood like um, in in the industry in general uh, when it comes down to you know women in your position? Clearly that there you know there is a, a precedent for it to be able to happen, and that you know the the the, the barriers are are being somewhat broken down. But have you ever felt like uh, you were you know looked over or maybe not taken as serious because you're a woman? Or do you think that things are at a position now to where um, there's things are, are, are closer towards equality? So for me, my personal experience, it was actually quite the opposite. Like, I think I was just like really, really good, you know, as a candidate or as a as a employee and an intern and or whatever you want to call it. Like, I was just really good. And then the fact that you know I was a woman, like. 
I mean, I don't know. I didn't really get approaches that. It's just, you know, it, it made it even better because, you know, I also bought a sense of diversity with my work ethic, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, you know, it, it, I never got the, oh, like, we have to hire a woman, so, you know, we, we're we choosing you. Like, it, they ne- the Wizards never made me feel like that. They just always made me feel like, yo, Amber's really good at her job, at her work. Like, she works really, really hard. That's and awesome. this is why we want her to be a part of our organization. And so they've been, you know, super supportive um, just from that standpoint. And then, you know, as a woman, you know, they are very supportive there too. Like they make sure that I speak up and that my, you know, thoughts are taken into consideration. Um, and also like being a woman, you know, is is a blessing and, you know, a good opportunity for me in this space. But also I'm very young in terms of the people that I work with every day. So being both and balancing both is something that I'm learning to navigate now. And so having the environment that I have with the Wizards, they kind of make that easier for me. And so I also think that, you know, when Tori Miller was promoted to general manager, it just made the, the opportunity for me to be a GM one day very feasible, very easy. And so I'm grateful that Atlanta promoted her because she also very much so deserved that. And it was, you know, a long time coming for her. She worked really, really hard, and she's going to do an amazing job. And her getting promoted, you know, also kind of caused a domino effect and allowed me to have the opportunity to do so. Um, So I'm very, very grateful to be in this space. I want to know about the GM position, uh, what your your day-to-day – you know, just the things you have to do in your, your job. Um, what is something that maybe that you're, that you're doing now or that you're going to have to do that you didn't realize that you're going to have to do uh, in this p- particular position? Sure. So because we, we don't have our full team necessarily participating in the bubble, right now I'm not really making any transactions. You know, I, I did a couple before the season um, to make sure some of our players got the opportunity to play. Um, but – that part and the roster construction part, I haven't had, you know, a chance to do so do yet because of the way the season is structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll get my, my first, you know, taste at that next season. Although I did have, you know, two years of doing draft preparation in terms of the G League, um, as well as finding, you know, some, some tradable options that we had, you know, the past two years. But my job is really evaluating talent, um, so scouting, um, and, and I've been able to, you know, scout the G League as well as scout college um, in preparation for the Wizards draft uh, every year. Um, and then the other part of it is making sure that we develop the guys that we already have as well as develop the staff. Um, so that's pretty much my day-to-day. And then, you know, as you get into the actual day, there may be, you know, administrative things that I have to handle, like, you know, budgeting and, and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's really – you know, managing people, um, developing people, um, and then talent evaluation are really the three pillars of of the role. Nice. Um, Before we end things off, though, I got to say, I have a small bone to pick with you. Oh, here it is. Because um, when I was going back and digging a little bit, you know, and and seeing what you you did at your playing career at Richmond, um, I noticed that one of your best games – came against my UNCG Spartans. Mm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm very proud of my school. And, man, like, I'm just wondering, like, why do you have to why you have to do my ladies like that? 
No, it was it was no offense <laughs> to you, you know, and I, I think we probably we might have lost that game. Um, but I, uh, when I did have the opportunity to play in front of my family, in front of my friends in North Carolina, I tried to play well. Um, you know, I didn't have the greatest career at Richmond, especially considering how well I played in high school. Um, but that was a bright spot of my career, and you know, I was thankful to be able to play well in, in front of my family and friends, and, and that's really what it was. It had nothing to do with the opponent. It could have been <laughs> NC State, Carolina. I would have tried my hardest to yeah. play, you know, well, as long as my family was in the crowd. So it, it was no, nothing personal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. I just, ha- I just had to ask about that one, you know, because every time I see somebody have a great game against UNCG, I got to ask about it. Um, but, no, this is this has been amazing. I'm, I'm glad I've had a chance to – to talk to you and uh, and, I, and I just uh, while we were talking I found you on Instagram I went on and followed you because I, I got to make sure I'm along for the ride uh, because I, I just know that someday um, you know we're gonna get another Woj bomb and yeah. and you're gonna be promoted somewhere in the front office of an NBA team and uh, it's gonna be amazing so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity again and I look forward to definitely staying in touch and being supportive of the podcast as well. Man, I absolutely love stories like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Amber was was amazing. I remember when you told me about her, like, hey, this this is happening and we're gonna get a chance to talk to this person. So shout outs to you for being for being able to get this interview. Um Yeah, and, and this was a lot more amazing than what I even, you know, anticipated. Yeah. I'm thinking back to our first episode you and I talked about or second episode when we talked about how we had to climb our way to get to where we are Mm -hmm. and she's doing the same thing in an industry that is not meant for who she is a black female Mm -hmm. it's just never has Mm -hmm. been built for that never has been and she's knocking down walls left and right and she's not even 30 years old i don't think no yeah so it's just amazing to think yeah she's you know 28 29 whatever it is and she's already hitting this and you you said it in the interview we're gonna be hearing one day of like she's gonna be an assistant gm with an NBA team, not not with a G League team, but NBA, an NBA team, and then we're going to hear her full time like the general manager for an NBA team. That is going to happen with her. One of the things I love about you know she's got the underdog story, but I think you know it's kind of what Petey Pablo said in our interview with him. Mm-hmm. You know, North Carolina is the underdog story. You yeah, know, his label didn't want him to have a song about North Carolina <laughs> yeah. out because it's like why, you know, it's just North Carolina, but. You know, I think there's a lot of folks who kind of feel that way, and it's almost kind of uh, like the identity of, of the state a little bit is is like that that underdog uh, mentality. And so uh, she came out, she did it, and um, you know she she stood on her own two feet, and her work spoke for itself. And yeah, and I'm and one thing I am happy about is that she landed in a situation to where, and she said it, where she wasn't there because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. That's different because there are some times where people are specifically looking for something and they bring that thing, that person in, but they don't necessarily want to hear from them. They just want the representation so yeah. it looks good on paper. So they, want, they want to check the box. They just want to check the box. And I'm glad that she was in a situation where not only did she check the box, but she was there because she, uh, they, they actually wanted her. Yeah, she's there on her there. merit. Yeah, she's there on her merit, and I absolutely, absolutely love that about uh, about her story. And uh, I can't wait to speak to uh, other great women from North Carolina mm-hmm. who are doing big things. 
Uh, you know, hopefully we can have Jennifer King on here yeah. pretty soon. I've, I've actually, um, you know, sent her a message and I was like, you know, you're coming on Culture State at some point. Of she was course. like, just let, let me know. <laughs> so of course. We'll, we'll get her on here. For those who don't know, she is promoted full-time assistant with the Washington football team. Yes. First full-time mm-hmm. uh, female black coach uh, in, in the NFL. Um, and so look at that. Like first, uh, second female GM uh, in the in the G League. Uh, from Raleigh and the first uh, full-time black female coach um, uh, in the NFL from Reedsville. And so, you know, North Carolina is doing some big things uh, on, on the sports level. And so we definitely are going to bring you all these stories. That's what this Culture State podcast is all about. Absolutely. Make sure you download and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts. Again, leave us that thick that, five stars. That thick five-star With review. two C's. <laughs> T-H-I-C-C. Five stars. Follow we, Chris. We appreciate that. At Chris Lee TV. You can follow me at the Fan Rookie. Follow us at Culture State Pod. Mm-hmm. We'll see you next time on the Culture State Podcast. The Culture State Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network, with new shows coming out every Wednesday. Download and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts, including the WREL Sports Fan app.